Paul is writing there are they believe whoever wrote the book of Hebrews the word of God it's inspired infallible and he talked about that everything that can be shaken will be shaken and he's shaken he's doing a shaking and I know when it's time draws to the time the end of the age not the end of time but the end of the age that there's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on and what's he shaking he's shaking the junk out of my life and your life because that's what he does because he's removing those things that are not like him so that we can walk in freedom. You know, Jesus looked and he said, the devil doesn't have anything on me. Can we say the same thing? The devil does not have anything on us. Okay. And we're walking in that freedom. And we are obviously a mighty army that is marching forth into territory that the enemy thinks that he's squatted on. But we're there to take that back. Amen. And we're to take that back in people's lives where people have given their lives to the enemy. And we as Christians obviously have the light of Jesus in us. And we're taking back that territory that the enemy has squatted on. And we're saying you're no longer welcome here. You're no longer welcome. We tell you to get out in the name of Jesus. And so I want each one of us to know. And today as we talk about Psalm 91. Okay, we're going to talk about it in terms of everybody knows it. And I know when you chuckled, y'all know Psalm 91. But I want to talk because this is going to be a little bit different today than what I've done in the past, because I love participation. Okay, all right. This is not some type of, you know, uh, up here speech in that sense. Yes, we're preaching the word of God, and that's very, very precious. And I'm sensitive to that. But man, when we're engaged and when people are a part of what's going on, they begin to really uh, hear the Word and, and let the Word of God pierce their hearts. There's something that changes, and it's called our lives change. Amen. And so I want each person to know this is going to be a little bit different than what I'm going to do today and how we're going to do it. But we're going to begin with uh, reading Psalm 91. If you'd like to stand with me. While we read Psalm 91, dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to share with you some, some things I think are so powerful. The Word of God is always powerful. So, amen. And uh, we're just going to, we're going to praise Him and worship Him. Amen. All right. Say it with me. Who, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And you will not fear the terror of night nor the error that flies by day. Amen nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And if you make, if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. And they will lift you up in their hands and so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I'll rescue him and I'll protect him. For he acknowledges my name. 
and he will call upon me and I will answer him and I'll be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Thank you very much. Dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Okay. I'm going to talk today because we are in a battle. But I'll tell you what I see happening, and I've mentioned this before. And that is things that we are obviously confronted with in our life as we have obviously many times have, have this luggage that we bring into a relationship with Jesus Christ, is that we're saying, we don't want to carry this luggage anymore. This stuff's too heavy. And so what God is doing is He's removing that luggage. He's shaking it off. And we're talking about the consuming fire of who God is. He's burning it off. He's just taking it away. He's actually given us desire not to carry the luggage anymore. Okay? Now, I love it when God does that. Because obviously we don't get into legalism and the things of the flesh and so forth. But God gives you the grace that you're able to release those things in your lives. It can be habits. It can be addictions. It can be things that you've dealt with maybe all of your life. And God is removing those things. Because why? Because we're in a war. And the one thing the devil wants to obviously attack you and me on is our faith. If he can destroy our faith, then obviously he's got us under his control. Because we don't believe God anymore. We don't believe the, the, obviously, the absoluteness of God's Word. And that's what's happened a lot of times in the church today. Is people do not believe and take God at His Word. And the question is, do we take Him at His Word? What He says here in this particular psalm is so relevant to our day-to-day living. If you want victory in your life today, then I want to share with you about this particular psalm. All of us know it here. You've read it before and maybe meditated on it, had it preached and so forth. But it's very important in understanding what this particular psalm is saying. One particular pastor that I listened to actually entitles this psalm as God's Atomic Bomb bomb Shelter. God's Atomic Bomb Shelter. Okay? Now, some of y'all are too young... Y'all don't know about the shelters that obviously when we were in uh, the Cold War and so forth, you had to sometimes people made a shelter there. They, some people put it underground or they told you if we had an atomic blast, then you were to get in the center part of your house and so forth. All these types of things, okay? But this particular word of God actually is God's atomic bomb shelter, Okay? And so if we look at this psalm today, I want to point out, I want to share with you, because I believe this is going to obviously set us free, and we're going to walk in that path of victory like God wants us to. God does not want us to be defeated. How many of you know that? We're not to walk in depression. We're not to walk in a defeatist attitude. We have obviously so much to be thankful for when he shows us his salvation. We've been saved by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And he is setting us free today. He's getting rid of the luggage. And so as we talk about that, think about that. Because I believe that a life lived in contradiction to obviously the points that obviously we'll make today is actually a result of a lack of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. We cannot do this alone. It is the power of God's Spirit in your life and my life. And so we're learning to walk in the Spirit and not gratify the lust of the flesh. When we walk in the Spirit, 
We don't want to deal in the flesh. We don't want to do anything that breaks our Father's heart, breaks Jesus' heart, the one who gave His life for us, who gave His all for us. We don't want to do that. And so what do we do? We flee from temptation. We resist temptation. But like, obviously, Joseph did, if you remember, he was right there facing the temptation, and he fled from temptation. And so God is teaching us to walk in victory today, and that is a process, but I believe we're taking some big steps, church. I believe the day the church is rising up. I believe the day that the, the church is rising up in revival, that God is renewing. God is setting us on fire with his holy fire today, that we can go out into the highways and byways and make a difference in people's life who, lives who are, are walking in darkness because so many people today have no hope. I mean, you're talking about the fields being white for harvest. They're ready right now. Jesus said, don't wait six months. He said, go out now. So we're to go out now. If Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen? So we go out now. And so this particular uh, psalm is so powerful in that. If you put it into practice, I believe you'll have victory in your life today. First of all, let me look at several points. And there is a place to dwell. When he talks about in verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. There are three things to look at here. First of all is the dwelling. The second is the shelter. And the third is the rest here. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. See, he's washed us with the word of God. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, listen, apart from me, you can do nothing of any spiritual consequence. Amen? Yeah, all right. If anyone does not remain in me, He's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples, okay, right? Teaching them to observe all things, and lo, I've commanded you, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Amen. He said, go and make disciples. So what's happening when you come in here? You'll be in disciple. Okay. I have several reasons that I obviously that are priority on my heart when I went into ministry. And that is, is I see people get saved, come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, presenting the gospel by grace through faith. In Jesus alone are you saved, and we believe, uh, and not by works, lest any man should boast. Okay. The second thing is, is discipling people. Seeing people mature in their faith. Seeing people desire and hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Seeing people that desire and long for Jesus and Him alone. That's the one thing that sets my heart on fire, let me tell you. When I see that, I've come for that today. The other thing is, is, is to see people delivered. Okay? I know, obviously, when you come to Jesus, you're delivered there. and you're, But we can bring things in there. I want people to be free. I want people to encounter the Lord. I want people to walk in His presence each and every day, every moment of every day. And we started this series talking about the presence of the Lord. And that was, I went, what's it going to be like when we get to heaven? Well, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. 
And I said, Lord, why can't we walk in your presence in that manner when here on this earth, just like when we get to heaven? I mean, it seems kind of far-fetched, doesn't it? But he says, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? All this stuff we see today that's happening around us and the darkness that seems to be rising, we know the light's going to rise with it, but all the governmental stuff and all the stuff that's going on today, people not knowing again whether or not they're male or female, knowing this or that or whatever, all these things going on, they say they're transitioning. No, they're not. They've been bought into a lie because it's a lie that Satan has put in their hearts and what people are doing today is running their lives and that's what Satan does. And I want to see people get set free. I want the truth. You see, the Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth. And so we know the truth. we got to walk in that truth every day. Jesus says something here so important. If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you ask whatever you want, and I'll do it for you. In other words, a relationship is so close and so intimate that you know the heartbeat of Jesus, your Savior, your Lord, your Master, the one that you're in love with. And your heartbeat beats so strong for Him and desire. And so you're praying in His will because you know His will. Because His heart, you're so close to Him. You're hearing Him. You're walking with Him in His presence. You're communing with Him. You're fellowshipping with Him every moment, every day. They're not these gaps that maybe when we just come in here on Sunday morning or whenever. It's every day today. And see, that's what God is calling us to do. To live our life like we will. We come in here. I, I'm dressed up today and everything. I mean, man, here we go. Here's the preacher, you know, and all this stuff. But what happens out here when we leave these four walls is what really matters. Okay? When we face people that frustrate us, when we face things around us that's that people are using language and it's kind of kind of stuff. People are, are just, de- just denigrating the Word of God. I talked to a lady yesterday and I said, how is it going at work? She moved into a new job and she began to tear up. And I said, what's going on? She said, you know, she said, I changed jobs. She had changed jobs recently. But I think what she was trying to tell me was is that what she is in is just a vast darkness that's there. People are using all this language around them. People don't want to hear anything about the gospel. And she began to tear up because her heart was for the lost and those that need to know the Lord and all. And I said, let me tell you something right now and and just real sensitively. You are where you are because God wants you to be in that place. And your light, the light of Christ through you, is making a difference whether or not you realize it or not. See, we get discouraged because we don't see always the things that are visibly happening. But God Almighty, when we go in places today and we think God has reject, is rejected to the max and so forth, you're still making a difference because he, we are here for such a time as this. And we've got to believe it, that we're not here by accident. There's no coincidences in, in believers' life. They're God incidences. And God moves in that re- reference But no coincidences, when things happen today and they're happening all around you and God's given us spiritual insight to see what is happening around us so that we can move with Him. Because the Spirit is already out in front of us. He's already working in people's hearts that He may want you and me to witness to or to share the gospel or just say, God bless you, whatever it may be. He's already out there. He's the one that initiated that thing. You didn't start loving Jesus because all of a sudden you got yourself good. It's because the Spirit of God worked in your heart. He started it all. And He said He'll finish it. 
effective. What he started, he said he'll finish it. So we see here, the first thing is the dwelling. We're to dwell with him. Not talking about bouncing in and out with him, but we dwell with him, which means we, we stay a while. It's kind of like we, <clears throat> we go in and, and, and rest in him and, and, and we're, we're there under the shadow all the time. It's not an in and out type of situation. It says here that he's our shelter. He's our shelter here. It's a place for you to dwell out of the storm. But when the storm comes, he doesn't promise you there won't be storms. He just says that he'll be with you and you'll not be washed away. He'll be with you through those storms. And then he says, rest. We'll rest, obviously. You know what we do many times? We like vacations. We like to get away. Man, if I can just get away. Nothing wrong with them. We do that. I love them. But at the same time, what about the other, obviously, nine-tenths of your time? Are you resting in the Lord? Old saints down through the centuries have talked and taught on how to rest in the Lord, how to go through situations and still have peace, how to go through things and not being anxious and frustrated and all the other things, the emotions that we obviously exhibit through things that we've encountered that we never thought we would encounter. We can rest in the Lord. And that's what he's saying here in this. And also, let me tell you, it is a place of battle in verse 2. It tells the Lord is our refuge and fortress here. He talks about this. Now, I don't know about you. I'm talking about today. When you got saved, then you step foot out of the kingdom of darkness and you step foot into the kingdom of light. Okay. And what happened when you did that? The battle began. That's when the battle was raging. And what he's talking about here, it is a continual battle. I don't know about you, but I'm like in a football game. If I get injured, somehow I'm sidelined over there until the injury heals. Well, let me tell you, in the kingdom of God and our walk as a Christian, there's no time to get on the sideline. It's a time to obviously take up arms, and those arms are prayer and the Word of God and to battle this because the enemy is trying to take everybody out that he possibly can today. He came to kill, steal, and destroy, and he is very much committed to it, trust me. You know that. And the only way that we win is to realize there's a battle going on and understand who we are in the Lord and who He is in us. Understanding the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Amen? The name of Jesus is powerful, folks. The blood of Jesus is powerful. When I pray at night with Cindy and I, we lay down. I plead the blood over our room, over our hearts, over our minds, over our churches today. I plead the blood of Jesus because the devil hates the blood of Jesus. I talk about the blood of Jesus. I preach about the blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus is powerful today. There's so much when you look at really what the blood of Jesus means. Yeah, you know He had to sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. We know the Word of God says that. But we know the power that's in the blood of Jesus. Don't tolerate these things the enemy tried to throw at you and I today because we have the authority Not our authority. Jesus' authority. He's delegated to us. But He gives us the weapons that we need to be able to fight this battle. That's continual. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in pulling down of strongholds. They're mighty. Prayer. Pray. And continue to seek Him. But He don't like it. Because revival is here. Revival is here, folks. Revival is here. I'm not just saying it's coming. Revival is here. There are things that are happening today. And that's why you're seeing the battle raging. And the enemy gets even more agitated and more aggravated because of what God's doing today. He doesn't like the light that you're shining in and through the darkness in people's lives today. He doesn't like you to pray for 
keep, and he'll do everything he can to keep you off of your knees. He'll do everything he can to keep you and I, obviously, complacent and obviously lethargic, sort of out of apathetic, not understanding the seriousness of what we're in today. You see, the answer to this country's problems is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. The answer is not a better economic system. The answer is not necessarily a better administration in that sense. The bottom line, the foundation is Jesus Christ today. Unless we have revival today, I want to tell you, it's not going to be good today. But I believe God wants to do that. And I believe in the times past when you look at the great awakenings, that he obviously comes when when people are desperate. You ever looked at the second great awakening in London? It was dark. I believe at that particular time, everybody in the whole city of London was drunk. Everybody. It was so dark. People would talk about when they walked out of their houses, it was so dark because they couldn't walk down the street without being obviously uh, molested or confronted and so forth today. Well, you better be careful today. We're walking in the same thing today unless Jesus brings an awakening to people's hearts as to the holiness of God and who he is. It's not going to be good, but I know God's doing it. And I'm so grateful today we're sitting here with a, a crowd of believers that know the, the strength and power that comes from their Lord. They're walking in the presence of the Lord. They're dwelling here in the presence of the Lord. You see, it's a place of protection. Hallelujah. You have a refuge to protect you from the enemy. Proverbs verse eight, eighteen, uh, chapter 18 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. And they're safe. Amen. Everybody know this one? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they're safe. Psalm 24, verse 8. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle here. Abiding in God affords us protection that we couldn't find anywhere else. The Lord is mighty in battle because what? The victory has already been won and given to us. We just got to walk in that victory. We just got to stop denying somehow we've got to be little wimps in what's going on today. All of us have been called to be ministers. It's not just coming from the pulpit. That's one calling. But you and I have a calling in our lives, and it is a calling that God wants to use you out here on the streets and wherever it is. And I know what we're doing as far as the bars are concerned and so forth. I want to tell you, God's calling us because that place today, you think, well, we're doing this and that. The light of Christ, when y'all walk in that place, the light of Christ is shining into people's lives. Okay? And you don't be, don't be discouraged. Discouragement is not of the Lord. You be encouraged because of what God has called you to do. Okay, I tell people, you go, Jim, what what are you doing? Where are you passing? Well, pastor church and all that, and uh, a bunch of a uh, lot of people, bikers, that are going in the bars on Sunday afternoon. Let me tell you, you're talking about crickets. Crickets? What? I said, I bet you've never heard of that, have you? No. You going to bars on Sunday? Afternoon? Yeah. Going in there sharing. And they start thinking, and they start thinking if they're really saved, they think, what a better place to go. I mean, there's no other better place to go. That makes sense. That makes sense. But see, today, God is calling us, and God has given us these places that are not necessarily tradition. All right? See, we've hung on to tradition the way the church is supposed to look. Supposed to act and all these other things. Yeah, we're to obviously line our lives up with the Word of God. But we've got all these things that religion has taught us. We've been in all types of things. A lot of do's and don'ts and doing this and that. And God is saying, no, that's not me. I want to set you free. I want you to know my relationship with me. 
that obviously you walk in that freedom and you will be directed by the Spirit of God and you'll hear that still small voice behind you say, go this way, turn right, turn left, walk ye in it today. You see, that's what God is getting us to in this relationship, in the presence of the Lord. You got to talk to Him. You got to abide in Him. Because Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, obviously we're going to be tossed to and fro like every wave there on the, in the ocean. He's saying today, you and I have a calling in our lives. And don't you believe it? He Obviously, you believe it. God said, you got a calling. So we see here the conditions. There is an if. He says this, if you make the Most High your dwelling, and if you constantly dwell in His presence, if you're living in and for Him and not of the world, if you're constantly thinking about uh, your relationship with Him and rejoice in your position in Him today, if, 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 you see, Jesus said in 15, let's, when we look at it, remain in me and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can it bear fruit unless you remain in me. If we abide in Jesus, his life will flow through us. Abiding means connected. It means looking to him for everything. He has to be your all in all. He has to be first in your life. It can't be the worldly things I always see coming in. It can't be the worries of the world. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're to eat tomorrow and all this, but seek ye first His kingdom and all other things will be added unto you, right? Do you believe that? If you seek first His kingdom, if you get sold out for Jesus and you really lay your life out, do you believe that obviously He'll take care of all your needs? He'll supply all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. He'd go way beyond that. We know that. But do you believe it, you see? Oh, yeah, we're church folks, Jim. We know what you are. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know what you're saying. I can quote that verse. I can quote them. But do we walk in them? Do, do we walk? Are we trusting the Lord? So how do you get to a place in your life where you're totally dependent on God for everything? By abiding in Him. In Galatians chapter 5, so I say live by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature here. First John chapter 2, as for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you and you don't need anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is, is real, not counterfeit, just as He taught you, remain in Him here. There is a connection between trusting God and walking in the Spirit every day. You have to. There's, a, there's that connection of practicing the presence of the Lord, talking to Him, communing with Him every moment of every day. You can do your job talking to Him. The Bible says pray without ceasing. How do you do that? You're going, well, Jim, I'd have to come to church and get down here at the altar and pray. No, you pray without ceasing. It is an attitude of prayer. Your heart is shifted in a position that you're going to pray about everything. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God. Because our war is not against flesh and blood. How many of you know that? Our flesh, our war is not about people that have obviously hurt us or betrayed us or, or walked away from us or whatever it is. Our battle really on every occasion is about obviously those entities that are behind you and forcing people and manipulating people and so forth. That doesn't mean we don't have responsibility to, to take, obviously. But what it means is our battle is not against flesh and blood. So he says you need to suit up. You need to put the full armor of God on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Our feet have been shod with the, with the gospel of peace. We hold up the shield of faith. And I want to tell you, and the NIV is real good because it says it extinguishes all the flaming errors of the evil one. 
We don't have to receive that stuff that's not of God. And then we put on the helmet of salvation, which is, I believe, the mind of Christ. So we think the way Jesus thinks. We see things the way Jesus sees them. We see people the way, we, way Jesus saw people. He loved people. He loved people. And I've told and testified today, you know, some people, I mean, it's hard to like some people, isn't it? Right? But what is happening in that stretching process? I get uncomfortable. Because I know the Word. I'm like, I don't even like it. Before long, I'm sitting down and God is going, putting His finger and saying, do you know how you treated that person? Do you realize what you said to that person? That wasn't me. That was the flesh. And I have to say, Lord, forgive me. That was not you. Jesus, obviously, the only ones, remember, that He condemned was were the hypocrites. Right? He didn't, obviously, He had a, He sat and ate with the sinners. With those that didn't know Him. That were asking. Some of them received and some of them didn't. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be light in the darkness and get out there. And tell them about Jesus Christ. Yeah, but what about, you know, I can't tell them as good as you can, Jim, because you've got a theological degree and all that stuff. Let me tell you, out here, when I've been casting out demons out of people and so forth, my theological degree hasn't helped me. I don't believe at all. <laughs> because in seminary, it never taught me about that, that a demon will rise up in a person and begin to curse me out and look at me in the eyes through that person. I never was taught that. They never even mentioned that. I didn't even know there was spiritual warfare. We never talked about it. Man, I had a real intellect as much as I could attain because I'm not obviously the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I know that. But all this was up here. But out there in, in the highways and byways, I found out, man, this is different, Lord. What are you going to do? And so what, what happened was I had to learn to depend upon the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm still learning, folks. I haven't arrived. But when you do that, let me tell you, all of us can minister so when you say only the preachers to do this, nah, let me tell you, he's raising up an army, you and me, to go out here and tell him. And you begin, watch what happens, and this even happens with me. When you step out and you begin to say, I'm going to proclaim the good news to this person that seems like they're walking in darkness, don't know Jesus, you step out in faith. You watch what happens. The power of God will be released like you've never known it before. God's anointing will come upon you. Why does, obviously, the anointing rests upon us according to the Scripture, but the anointing is no good unless you're getting out there and you're telling people about Jesus or you're praying for people or you're doing, obviously, deliverance with people, whatever it may be. But when you begin to step out, it was like Peter getting out of the boat. And he started to walk a little bit, but he got his eyes on the ways. Remember, he got his eyes on the circumstances. And then he went under. But what happened? Jesus went over and picked him up. He's learning. Peter was obviously always inserting foot, opening mouth and inserting foot. Peter did that. Anybody here can relate to that? I can. Because sometimes I think, goodness, Lord, what, why did I say that? Why did I do that that way and so forth? But God says today, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out and start walking. Let me see. Faith will be triggered in your heart. Faith, obviously, is something that takes place when you and I take an action. I can say, I got faith. Boy, he's got good faith and all. But it's really tested when you get out of the boat. This particular psalm, talking to a man recently, and he was in the hospital. And a chaplain from the hospital came in. And he was from Africa. Okay, And he was part of the, the hospital staff as a chaplain. And he began to say, can I pray for you? And he said, sure. And he said, well, can I tell you a story of what happened to me and my family in Africa some time ago? He said, sure. He said, uh, the uh, people there, 
who hated Christians were going door to door and dragging the people out of their homes and raping the women and killing families and so forth. But he said, what me and my family did was, is that we began to quote Psalm 91. We began to quote it. We knew it by heart, but we began to just speak that. We began to proclaim the Word of God. We began to believe the Word of God. And we stood firm. And what happened was, that group that was going through, who was doing the maiming and so forth, passed over their house. And that man stands here today as a believer in Jesus Christ today. There's power. Power. Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. You and I know that. But you've got to appropriate it. You've got to understand of how to appropriate that blood. Because the blood of Jesus is powerful. But this man said, they passed right on by his home. It's like, obviously, the Israelites there in, in Egypt. And Jesus, obviously, God told them to put the blood over the, over the doorpost there, right? They took the hyssop and dipped it in the blood and put the blood over the doorpost. And what did the death angel do? Passed them by, amen? Passed them right on by. It's like the blood of Jesus is over the doorpost of our hearts, folks. And we need to know that. And we need to obviously accept it and believe it today. And we proclaim it and obviously declare it. Make Declare it. It is the Word of God. And God says it's true. Now, there's a reason to pray. Because obviously there is a rescuer. Verse 14 says this. Who is this one who loves God? The one who's accepted Him who believes in Jesus, and also the one that obeys His commands. He obeys. We obey. Do we do it perfectly? No, we don't. Jesus knows that. But He said, obviously, you, you love Me, you obey My commands, right? That's the one here. And also, He is our protector. I will protect Him from because He acknowledges My name here. There's power and authority in the name of Jesus here. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. I told you here some time ago, we were, um, um, I was attacked, sleeping, okay? And um, I was, um, I was sleeping good. And all of a sudden, a force jumped on me and started trying to strangle me. And I knew that it was the enemy. Okay. And I don't know how long it lasts because sometimes these things that actually happen that you believe, obviously you don't, we don't understand, but they happen. And all I could say was the name of Jesus. And by when I said the name of Jesus, it left. Came back again. They're like children. They don't always listen to instructions, so you have to tell them again, just like a child. I told you to do this. I take authority over you right now. And again, it happened. It was more forceful. And this time, what welled up in my heart and what I spoke out was, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And it was gone. But it was real. It wasn't like a figment of my imagination. And I wasn't having a bad dream. I was attacked. you got to know the authority that Jesus has delegated to us. It's not our authority. It's the authority that Jesus gives us in the name of Jesus. You can pray today. You may see strife somewhere. 
And you may somehow get into a situation and before long you're battling it in the flesh and you believe obviously it's against that person or persons or whatever it may be. I want to suggest to you today, just turn your head for a moment and you make this statement, Satan, if this is you, then I tell you to stop it. I tell you to stop it right now. And you can say it under your breath. He hears you. He's got good hearing. Okay? And tell him to stop it. Okay? And how many times that we have obviously tried to handle it in our own strength and tried to take over today when the enemy is behind the person or persons or circumstances today and you obviously you feel like, goodness, are we going to ever get out of this? Yeah, you get out of it. Because today, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Again, remember that. Keep that in mind, folks, as we go through this time of history and we're in a time where there's conflict like crazy. And we know that. All right. So he's our deliverer. How do you go about dwelling in the shelter of the Most High? Well, do a reality check in your life. Are you living, really living every moment for God? Or does something else come in and take over? Okay. You go, yeah, but it's only for a short time. I've, I've, you know, I, I, I listen most of the time. I live Sundays for God because I come in here and we get together and fellowship, lift one another up, and all this stuff. But when Monday hits, man, it's a different story. Get into the presence of the Lord. Get into God's presence. Let me share with you about that. I visited with a lady, and I was talking to her, and I believe this was God speaking powerfully because she barely can hear. She has hearing aids, but even with the hearing aids, she can't hear. So I'm speaking real loud. And the facility that she's in, I'm sure everybody hears when I visit. Up and down the hallways. Well, Jim, the pastor's here. It's going up and down. But this is what she said before I left. She said, you know, my prayer life has changed. I said, tell me about it. And she said, I used to go to the Lord with sort of a list of things that I wanted Him to do. Okay? And I said, yeah. I said, and she goes, but God kind of changed my heart and said, let's think about this. God began to speak to her and said, why not come to me with thanksgiving and praise first before you come before me and ask for these things? And she's probably thought, well, what a novel idea. <laughs> and so she began to thank God. All right. She began to thank the Lord. For everything that's going on, for who God is in the circumstances. Not necessarily for the circumstances, but for who He is in those circumstances. And she began to thank the Lord and praise Him and worship Him. And what happened was, and I told her, I said, you got in God's presence. And she said, you know what? My prayer life flows a whole lot better than it did before. Okay? Psalm 100 says, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. If you want to say, you remember, I've shared this with you because this is just so powerful. Jesus, when obviously had the 5,000, he's looking out there and he, we need a miracle. I want to tell you, we need a miracle today. We need people up and down this street here in League City and beyond to know who Jesus is. And it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a move of God today. You and I can't do it without the Spirit working in our lives, okay? And so obviously <clears throat> what we're doing, when Jesus looked at the crowd and He had the little boy and He had the two fishes and the loaves, okay? He began. What did He do? Anybody? What did He do to begin with? Did He say, Father, would You bless this food and so forth, which we do, nothing wrong with that, and so forth. What did He do to, right to begin with? And all He did, you look at the Scriptures. Gave thanks. He gave thanks, then He done. He gave thanks. 
If you start giving thanks to the Lord when you don't feel like it, and when everything's going the opposite way that you thought that it would go, when you get down, and I get down in the dumps and so forth, and people look and say, that's impossible for you, Jim. Oh, no, it's not. I'm human, just as human. <laughs> I bleed like the rest of you, okay? But when I get down in the dumps, what I do? I start thanking the Lord. I start turning my attention on Him because more than likely is my self-pity. I've got my eyes off of Jesus. I turned and looked at the circumstances. Jesus didn't. He broke it, and then he gave thanks to the Lord. He didn't pray. He gave thanks, and a miracle happened. And you want miracles in your life? Begin to thank God in every circumstance, okay? And watch the miracles take place in your life. There are miracles happening all around us today. It's just that we obviously are caught up in the flesh. We're caught up, and we're still here in this flesh. won't get any better until we go to heaven. So just go ahead and deal with it today. But we have the Spirit of God. You walk in the Spirit. Read Romans chapter 8. Because the day, that will tell you. Romans 8, Romans 6, 7, and 8. I want to tell you. Tell you how to walk in that victory today. So he gave thanks. She said, I just started to give God thanks and praise Him. And I've told you, how do you obviously enter into the presence of the Lord? Praise Him. Thank Him. Praise you, Lord. And you're going, yeah, but I repeat myself when I praise Him. So what? He's worthy of our repeating. Amen? Praise Him and praise Him. You think, yeah, but somebody's going to think I'm like I'm some kind of a religious nut out here. So what? Right? You deny him, obviously, before men, then I'll deny you before my Father who is in heaven. You've got to get out of the boat, and you've got to walk on the water today. God is calling us to walk a supernatural walk today. It's not a natural walk. It's a supernatural walk. And you and I have got to come into that realm, and the only way is being in his presence. Walking in His presence each and every day. And knowing the heartbeat of your God, your Jesus, who loves us so much. And hearing His heartbeat, crawling up in His lap and looking into His eyes. And just sitting there waiting on Him today. I want to share with you. In the morning, get up. 60 seconds is all this takes. And go before the Lord. Get quiet. I always welcome the Holy Spirit. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, here. He's always here, but I welcome Him. He's a gentleman. He is a he, he's not it, he's a he, and he's with us, he's the one. He said, Jesus said it's expedient that I go back to the, to the Father so that he can send the Spirit who will be with you and in you. Invite him, and then I sit quietly, and I'll go right now, Lord, I release the day's activities in your hands. I release every obstacle that I'm going to face that you already know about into your hands. I release my life into your hands. I release everything that I'm going to deal with in your hands and just sit. And then right behind that, say, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of you, Lord. And just sit. I just want more of you. Do you know a prayer that God will answer? He'll answer that prayer. Be ready. Because God's going to do it. Just sit. 60 seconds is all it takes, okay? And I'm not saying... Linger in the presence of the Lord, okay? Because once you get in the presence of the Lord, you're not going to want to leave anyway, okay? There may be disruptions and all, but once you get in the presence of the Lord, you're not going to want to leave. That's what we're going to do. We're getting ready for heaven. What do you think this earth is for? It's just a pre preparation for eternity. It's not so that we can leave here with the most toys. It's about preparation, spiritual preparation here. All right. Now, Allow the Holy Spirit to show sin in your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm cleared up. I'm good. Sit down before Him and let Him show you and put His finger on stuff. 
You go, yeah, but there are no blatant, really big things in my life and so forth. Ask Him to show you your motives. Let Him show you your motives. Watch what happens. Lord, have I got pure motives in this situation? I mean, am I, I really doing this? Or am I doing this because this is a religious thing to do? Because I'm church folk, right? Am I just doing this so that obviously I can go through it and so forth? Let him put his hand on it. Is he doing that to obviously smash you? No, he's not. He's doing it because he wants to set you free. And he's cleaning us up. He's purifying our hearts. He's making us more like Jesus. That's a real simple way of stating it. Okay? All right. Now, and get rid of the things in your life that allow the devil to creep in. Cut back on TV. Now, I'm not being legalistically. Give, ask God to give you grace. You know, sometimes the programs aren't too bad, but the commercials are terrible, right? The commercials, oh my goodness, man, I'm going, this is a commercial. And sometimes I'm really amazed at what they put on TV nowadays. I thought, hey, I'm going to leave it to Beaver generation, okay? Right? When the Cleavers came in and he was dressed up in a coat and tie, all right? And I was like, man, they sit down at the table today. Nobody eats together today like that. And all we're coming and going and passing each other in the highways and byways of life. But I'm a cleaver type of person here, right? But God is saying today, cut it out. The things that, you know, is somehow diminishing your desire and hunger for righteousness, right? Okay. Now, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Seek the baptism. Baptize, he'll baptize again. Fill you with his spirit. I don't care about the terminology. Theologically, I have certain beliefs, but ask him, because you obviously and I leak, and we need to be filled with him. Before, <laughs> nobody can relate to that except for me. I understand that. But, you know what? I pray every day to be filled with his spirit. Do I always do it right? No. No. All right. Now, I want to do a little exercise together. All right. Be ready. Okay, what I'm going to do. If we claim these things that are spoken of in Psalm 91, we will have spiritual victory. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty here. And the word dwell actually means to sit down, to dwell, to remain, to settle in, the sense of taking up a homestead or staking out a claim. That means it is solid, okay? Now, all of us say with me, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Can we say it together? I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Let's say it again. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, okay? The second thing is, we'll have spiritual favor. Verse 2. I'll say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God and Him and Him I will trust here. Okay? Say this with me. I will trust in God. Say it with me. I will trust in God. All right? I'm going to tell you why we're saying it. I will trust in God. All right? The third thing is, we have an intimate walk. Look at verses 3 and 4. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And he'll cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. It's like a mother hen, obviously. God doesn't have feathers, but he's given the sort of like the symbolism that mother hen, the chicks. Okay, I'm a country boy. The chickens, when it's doing something, they're afraid they'll run under the chicken and they'll protect them. 
and the mother hen will put out the feathers and protect them here. Okay? All right? Say this with me. God will cover me. Say it with me. God will cover me. Say it again. God will cover me. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. He will give me spiritual fearlessness in verses 5 and 6. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the air that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Say this with me. God will protect me. God will protect me. Say it again. God will protect me. Amen? All right. Number five. He will give us spiritual access. Verses 7 through 9. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Say this with me. God is my defender. God is my defender. Amen? All right. Next one, number six, spiritual protection. In verses 10 through 13, no evil, listen, you got to know the protection that we have. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent. You shall what? Trample underfoot. Amen? Right? Okay. Say with me this here, that Jesus gives us spiritual authority. Jesus gives us spiritual authority. Say it with me. Jesus gives us spiritual authority. Number seven, he'll give me spiritual fullness. Verses 14 and 15. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, and I will set him on high because he has known my name. Say this, God loves me. God loves me. Amen. And number eight, spiritual, he'll give us spiritual revelations in verse 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Say this, God is my salvation. Say it again. God is my salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Instead of just saying you're saved, whole, filled, and delivered, you know it. Amen? You know it, all right? There is proclamation of the Word. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, what is it, what do you say? You shall be saved. If you confess, because with the confession, obviously, you're saying something. And what you're doing is, you're not telling God anything He doesn't know, but you're actually penetrating your spirit man. When you speak it out, make a proclamation. Let me ask you this. Everybody know about Revelation chapter 12, verse 11? How did they overcome him? And who is him? The devil, right? Because he's accuser of the brethren. He goes before the throne of God day and night. And you think that's just for that particular time of history, the tribulation? No, he's accusing you right now. He'll accuse you because you're no good or you sinned, you stumbled and fell or whatever it may be. Or maybe you want to seek the Lord more and maybe sometimes you've fallen away, you keep coming back, you're walking in His presence and then you sort of feel like I've drifted away and so forth and He accuses you and say, hey, you're never going to make it. You're not going to do it. He's accusing us, folks. He's accusing the church as being impotent. No, it's not. We have the Holy Spirit of God here. 
And God is moving in our midst. God is doing things today. It's a lie because he can't tell the truth. He's the father of all lies. Right? Okay? He says this, that we overcome him, Satan, by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Right? The blood, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let me ask you and suggest to you and also encourage you is to begin to proclaim your testimony. You go, I don't have much of a testimony. I was raised in the church or whatever, wherever you are, okay? Don't make it ever. Begin to tell your testimony. Watch what happens. People's heads will, they'll just, their ears will perk up today. It's powerful today. And how did they overcome him, the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, the proclamation of the word of God in our lives today. Do it and tell people, begin to tell people. You go, well, I'm not sure if theologically I'm going to get everything right. Tell them what Jesus has done in your life. Tell him that he's, he's the one that you need today. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people today because I did hospice, so I've seen people every day. Lots of people in a year's time. Okay. I go, what do I say, Lord? And God never, never, and I saw thousands of people, never let me down. I went into places that I want to tell you, all over the city, people were laying around today, people obviously where there had been shootings at in the night before, and I walked in there, and I want to tell you, they many times certain communities respect pastors, okay? So what I would do is I took, I'd have my Bible in my hand, and they'd be coming out of their doors saying, Good morning, Pastor. How are you? And they may have stayed up all night. They may have done who knows what. And so for good morning, Pastor, you're okay. Because I want to tell you today, God was protecting me. God was taking care of me. And how many places in this city that I went in 24 years, let me tell you, there were many. And God protected me. And God gave me words today that I had no idea. I would walk in on it. I said, Lord, I have no idea what to say here. And good, the Lord said, go, just go. I'll give you the words that you need. And you got people who are dying. I was, a, I was a chaplain over children from birth to 18 years old for nine years, plus adults. And the children, obviously, have just touched your heart, okay? What do you say to families that are grieving? What do you say to people that are hurting beyond any measure you've ever known before. God will give you what you need to say. When you go before the rulers and leaders, what's the Word of God say? Don't worry about what you're to say because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. You say, why am I saying this today? It's because it's the Word of God, but the other thing is that you and I are called and we're getting ready. We're marching to the, the, the drum obviously, uh, of a different drummer. His name is Jesus. And we're marching to Zion. We're marching to Zion. And God is calling you and me to pay attention. Now, one more thing on repeat after me. I was sitting there yesterday morning and I, I said, Lord, is this all what you want? And the Lord gave me this. God goes before me. God goes behind me. God is around me. God surrounds me. And God is within me. Let's say it together. God goes before me. He goes behind me. He's all around me. He surrounds me and He's within me. Okay? He goes before me. 
That means he is the next week already working to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. It's called provenient grace. He's already in tomorrow, your tomorrow, my tomorrow. He's already in next weekend. He's already in whatever situation you may face today because He loves us. Why? God loves us. He goes before me. He goes behind me. He goes around me. He's within me. He's all around us today. And when you put on the full armor of God, the belt of truth, and of course the different parts of the, of the armor of God, what are you doing? You're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you're doing. It's all about Jesus. So let me ask you today, and I ask this maybe at the end, but it's, if it's, is it okay if I talk about Jesus today? Is it okay? Y'all okay with it? Okay. You all right if I talk a little bit more about Jesus? Amen. Anybody here object to it and so forth? Talking about Jesus? Amen. You can't talk about Him enough. He's a lover of our souls. <laughs> the Bible says that we're God's portion. Can you imagine that? Come on. Can you imagine? Yes, we are. He paid the ultimate price for you and me. Okay? I don't know about you, but man, I was in the dregs. I was in the dregs. I was in the lowest part. And God stepped in. <laughs> That's why I celebrate salvation. That's why I praise Him for my salvation. Is He through with me? No. No. He's not finished. But the Bible says what He started, He'll finish. Philippians 1.6 He's faithful and just. He'll faithfully finish what He started. Hallelujah. Man, God's doing good things. Everybody know that today? Amen? Everybody knows He's doing great things today. And God is saying today, He wants us to be a part of what He's doing in the earth today. Because it's His work, not mine. i got to conjure up Maybe, oh man, what's the church going to do? And so forth. What are we going to do now? I need to listen to the Lord. We need to move out when He tells us. But let me tell you today, worry is not of the Lord. Worrying and fretting and all that other stuff and fear is not of the Lord. I told you all some time ago, we've come in upon the fall. We're coming upon a time where you'll hear fear started propagating. Oh gosh, COVID is coming again. All this masks are coming again. Shutdowns are coming again. I made the statement, we're not shutting down here. Okay? We're not shutting down here. I'm not wearing a mask. And I'm not, obviously, yielding to, to people today who are not walking according to God's plan and His will today. Because I'm walking because Jesus Christ is in my life. Those men, they said, we we got to obey God instead of man. And they went, whoa, what what their power come from? And they noted it was because they had been with Jesus. You want to be with Jesus? You'll be able to come through this time because you'll be abiding in Him. And you'll be able to take you through this storm. Amen?